Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, our reading today from the gospel at first glance can be a bit unnerving. You know, when you think about it, wait a minute, is this Jesus talking? You know, that becomes the question. I thought Jesus was the Prince of Peace. Isn't this the same Jesus who at his birth, the angels proclaimed peace on earth, goodwill to all people? The one who will eventually tell his disciples, you know, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you? And yet here he says, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? Well, to be frank, you know, You might be totally confused by this passage. A lot of people are, so today I'll be preaching from Hebrews. Uh, Just kidding, but but, uh, you know, what I wanna do today is actually exegete this text for you and clear it up and share with you the gospel hope found within it. So our gospel reading begins to make sense when you understand it within the context of Luke chapter 12. Jesus has been on a tirade and he has been critiquing the idea of peace through human achievement, peace through our self-justification projects. You know, if you remember two weeks ago, the text I preached on, he told the parable about the guy who had accumulated all this wealth and decided to build bigger barns because ultimately he was relying upon his earnings for eternal peace. And then if you remember last week, Jesus reminded his disciples, and this is all in the same chapter, but he reminded his disciples to fear not, little flock, because it's the Father's will to give you. Notice that word? It's not the Father's will for you to earn, but it's the Father's will to give you the kingdom. So, it's within this context we see Jesus is confronting here, at this very moment, the world and speaking out against peace on our terms. Peace by way of human control and manipulation. Or in other words, what Jesus is saying here is, do not think that I have come to celebrate your self-justification projects. This is really interesting. Self-justification projects cause all sorts of issues. All sorts of issues. This is my first point. We so often think of Jesus as nothing more than just like kind of another product. You know, he's another product to help me get along in life. Sort of like the old toothpaste commercials or, you know, the old Pepsi challenge, you know. Before Colgate, I had bad breath and no friends. But after Colgate, my breath smells like a winter, you know, green forest. And I'm the hit of the party. Thanks, Colgate. I used to be a real jerk before I met Jesus, and then I found Jesus, and then all of a sudden, you know, everything's great. Thanks, Jesus. You know, Jesus becomes a means to our end. But if you think that Jesus has come to simply be the means to your end, as opposed to the end in and of itself, then his words today are brutal. They're brutal, they're intimidating. His words do indeed bring about the vision. Because in order to understand Jesus' peace, while each of us may long to be affirmed, 
while each of us may long to be the hit of the party, while each of us may long to be identified as a winner and successful, and by golly, Jesus may get me there, you cannot understand the gospel and the peace that Christ has come to bring until you embrace your identity as those who've lost, those who are in need, as creatures. When we're constantly putting up our own wins, when we're constantly putting up our own identities, our own self-justification projects, this is what ultimately begins to lead to division and causes all sorts of chaos. And this is what Jesus is ultimately getting at. It's interesting that most of the church has even missed this mark. Most of the church has missed this mark, and this is one of the reasons why it is failing miserably. And I saw this afresh while I was in Germany on the Reformation tour. The church, like the world, is enraptured with winning, making Jesus a means to an end. Was that a great punk rock song? They're selling Jesus again. And both sides, blue and red, are selling Jesus in a big way. Jesus is the means to an end to being a real moral nation and getting our morality straight once again. Jesus is the means to a more socially just and biodiverse world. You know? Now, while these causes may be very worthy and important, most people, you and I, most people don't go to church initially, especially in this city, because of a church's stance on biodiversity. Give me a break. Most people don't come to a church initially because of a church's stance on various social causes. Not if you're actually interested in the gospel. The point is, we come to church initially because there's a great and distressing problem in our lives something existentially that there doesn't appear to be an exit from. People come to church oftentimes now because they've lost. And while an example is wonderful, a life coach, hey, that's super. What we really need and why we come here is because we need a savior. We need someone to save us from ourselves. And this is what Jesus is getting at. What Jesus is describing here, in light of everything else going on in chapter 12, is, is what life actually looks like when our self-justification projects, when our temporal lives of being in control not only clash with others, but clash with God through his cross. Who here hasn't had a problem with their parents? Who here hasn't had a problem with your mother or father-in-law? Who here hasn't had a problem with their children, especially around Thanksgiving? And it is so oftentimes our sense of control that makes things even worse. Or not only that, who has here hasn't lived with the disappointment that your mother or your father couldn't be everything for you? Who here hasn't lived with the disappointment of an aggressive mother-in-law or a distant father-in-law? 
Who here hasn't lived with the disappointment and the division that's been caused by trying to live vicariously through your children or vice versa? What this passage reminds us is, is that others actually aren't enough. But we have a marvelous Savior. When we're put in touch with our creatureliness and others' inability to fulfill all of our needs, we're put in touch with a wonderful Savior who is enough. I've written in my prayer book, there's only one Savior of the world, and you're not it. And I have to look at that quote about 7,000 times a day. So I'm constantly trying to fix it. Or I'm constantly sharing about how that happened to me once. You know, this is a real issue. And so Jesus says in our text today, he says, I have a fire to cast upon the earth. And that fire is the fiery wind of the Holy Spirit. A fire that, as he's speaking about in this context, demonstrates the wrath of God, but that falls upon him on the cross in order to refine us, in order for us to illuminate us, that we might let go. We might let go and ultimately be saved from our self-justification projects. Jesus. Jesus has a baptism, he says, with which he must be baptized. And it all began when he was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. And remember John, he thought this whole thing was really weird, because it kind of was. And he was like, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus says, let us do it this way now, so that we might, what? Fulfill all righteousness. Jesus becoming like us in every way. And from that moment when he came up out of the water and the dove descended upon him, he had his eyes fixated, as it says, Luke says, he fixed his eyes upon Jerusalem. He fixed his eyes on that cross. And he's been on a road to Calvary ever since with a determination where he would not only just complete everything, but from the cross, he would say, it is finished. And he says those words directly to our self-justifying nat natures. So we're scrambling along. It is finished. This is my second point. What Jesus is illustrating here, in light of all of chapter 12, is God's burning passion for you. God's burning passion to set us free from our quest to win, our quest to self-justify, our quest to save ourselves. For in the death of Jesus, you are given a peace that the world cannot give, a peace the world actually doesn't even know, a peace the world nor amount of winning can ultimately broker, a peace that lets you live as you are, as a human being, as a creature. Not, hey, I'm okay, you're okay, because God don't make no junk. It's not what I'm talking about here, but you're free to live as forgiven and loved by God. That's what Jesus is talking about here. For this peace is the peace of sins washed away by the blood of the Lamb, the peace of God in Christ reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting our sins against us. And as I will proclaim at the end of this liturgy, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, that keeps in the midst of all the hardships of life, in the midst of all of the division and the brokenness of life, that keeps our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. My friends, that is the baptism in which you have been baptized into. And that is the fire that has and does come to you today by word and the Holy Spirit. So while things in your life may appear to be a total mess, while things in your life may appear to be anything but copacetic and feng shui, while there may be closets in your life, and I've got them as well, filled with lots of skeletons, and it's too dark to look right now, I just don't have it in me. You know, Jesus, what he does through his gospel is he brings that peace that in this age, oftentimes takes the shape of a cross. It sometimes looks like losing completely. Hence, this peace that God gives must be received by faith alone. Now, what I'm talking about here is not some sort of acceptable superstition. What I'm talking about is the gift of God by the power of His Holy Spirit to believe Him and that He's for you, sometimes despite all evidence to the contrary. There's no other way to receive this but by faith alone sometimes. And what this understanding does when it's touched by God is that it opens our hearts and it opens our minds to what the author of Hebrews is actually talking about today. You know, so often our reading from Hebrews is taken as some sort of like kind of champion Christian passage. You know, keep running, everybody. Do it. Take more control in Jesus' name. You know, and that's not what he's talking about here. I mean, if you look, these people didn't get what they were hoping for. They'd been given a promise. And you and I have been given a promise as well. And it's been sealed in God's blood. So what the author of Hebrews is actually talking about is life as it's actually lived as well. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, not looking to me and my achievements, me and my social status, or me and what I deserve, but looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. This isn't about being successful. This is about, in the midst of real difficulty, life as it's actually lived, being faithful. And in the midst of hardship and failures of life, looking to the one, Christ, who loves us and has forgiven us completely. So this is my third point. What Jesus is talking about here is life as it's so often lived. Life in the midst of familial disappointments, people not meeting your expectations, you not meeting theirs. Jesus is talking about life as it's actually lived, filled with conflict, and sometimes with what the world would declare as the absence of God. 
Have you ever been really going through it, that pickle, and you're like, where is God? Why wasn't God there for me? That's the world talking, not faith. It may not look like joy in this world, yet, in the midst of it all, it provides a joy that's overflowing. It looks like ordinary life lived. This is what Jesus is describing. And when you become weary, when you become discouraged, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, for he will sustain you, and he will give you strength to carry you through this life, to carry you through death, and most importantly, to carry you to the age that is to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.